Welcome to Better by Great Place to Work, the podcast that helps companies become a great place to work for all because it's better for people, better for business, and better for the world. I'm Christopher Tkachuk, the Chief Content Officer at Great Place to Work. Each week, we meet with great leaders who have helped their companies become better workplaces by focusing on their best asset, their people, who in turn help their organizations become more successful. Support for Better comes from Genentech, a global leader in biotech and medicine and continues to be a longtime winner on Fortune's annual list of the 100 best companies to work for. Welcome to Better by Great Place to Work. You're joining us at the Great Place to Work for All Summit 2019 in San Francisco. Today I'm joined by Fran Katsudis, who's the Chief People Officer at Cisco. She plays a major role in the company's overall performance, leading organizational strategy, promoting operational effectiveness, and elevating team performance through innovative leadership. Fran also leads Cisco's business-driven people strategy and people deal, which we'll hear about shortly both of which support and align Cisco's overall business strategy and are essential to driving the company's transformational journey. Welcome, Fran. Thank you. It's great to be here. So I always like beginning to tell company stories by looking at the numbers. Cisco is one of our all-star companies that has been on the 100 best list every year. That's correct. For 22 years running, which is a phenomenal achievement. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. The reason why Cisco has performed so well is because it has repeatedly gotten high scores from employees on the Great Place to Work Trust Index survey. This past year, 94% of Cisco's employees had said overall that it's a great place to work, and that statement is a combination of many others, which include 96% of them saying that management is honest and ethical in its business practices, 96% say that they are able to take time off from work whenever they think it's necessary, And yet another 96% have said, I'm proud to tell others that they work there. So congratulations. Thank you. So in addition to the 100 best list, Cisco appears on pretty much every other list that we we publish, which is another phenomenal achievement, which includes number seven on our best workplaces in diversity. Number two, which is really impressive for the best workplaces for parents, which I want to talk to you a bit about as well. And then looking at our lists in technology and giving back in the Bay Area, in Texas, 100 Best Workplaces for Millennials. So uh, you, you guys have been doing amazing things for so many years. So um, I want to hear, you know, from the first question, I want to ask you, how have you achieved that over 22 years? Well, as you would imagine, I think it starts at the top. And so we have an amazing CEO in Chuck Robbins who cares deeply for our employees. He cares deeply for our customers. He wants people, I think in the same way that he looks at his career and I look at my career, to look at Cisco and say, wow, that was a ton of fun and thank you. And so he sets this tone, but I think it's also a culture that has been built over 30 years where caring and kindness and passion and being driven come together in a very powerful way. I mentioned already the people strategy and the people deal. Those are two different things, right? They are. So our people deal started about four years ago. And this is really important to us because I think it was a moment where we were struggling a bit. And as it relates to our people, our messages and our intent wasn't as clear as it needed to be. And so the people deal started with two employees based out of the London office coming together and basically saying, I think we can do better. And they rallied a few of their coworkers and they came together and they started to list those things that could be better. 
At that time, those employees asked a very basic question, and that question was, what does Cisco look like on a good day? And they took the work, and when we learned about it, we said, keep going, and they took it to Asia and then to the U.S., and it really became the heart of our people deal and this clarity of what we offer and what we expect in return. And I love the fact that it came from our people. It wasn't an HR body of work that really started to, to pivot us as a company. My understanding is that there is this, is it an actual policy that you've enacted or at least it's just messaging you've sent the entire uh, workforce that you want to make your employees feel as comfortable as possible to talk about anything? It's true, and I I think something that we have been talking about very overtly, and I think that's a great example of a dialogue that has been taboo historically in the workplace at all companies. This again started with Chuck. He sent out a message to our employees. It was after the um, very tragic deaths of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. And his worry was how many employees at Cisco are thinking about taking their life. And he sent out a note that basically said, hey, you don't have to go it alone. We're here for you. And our employees responded by telling their own stories. Through those stories, I think it helped us understand what we need to do differently and more of. And then within the next two or three months, we actually had a company meeting dedicated to mental health and people telling their stories. And I think what that does is it just creates the offering for you to be your whole self at work. Mm -hmm. What did you learn from employees in having those conversations? Just how much they deal with on a day-to-day basis. I I think, you know, you show up at work, and the nice thing is, I think for many of us, we're incredibly passionate about what we do, but people carry heavy loads. They worry about their children, their parents, their partners, and I think what we learned is just how much they have going on and that, We want to be a company that helps them navigate that as they do amazing things with us. The summit this year has this theme of innovation by all. And I know that Cisco has very high scores when it comes to what we call the innovation velocity ratio. I don't remember what is offhand, but I remember it was really high. And that number is the way that we look at how companies, or the employees at, at com- or companies that work with us, how they experience friction or the freedom to participate in the innovation process at their company. And what I'm curious is how has Cisco been able to, in the for all mission of making sure that every employee is happy with their work experience, how are you really driving that or at least welcoming them and encouraging them, empowering them to participate in innovation? Yeah, I mean, this is something that I care a ton about because I think for all companies, when your people feel like they can innovate or when they feel like their ideas are heard, oh my gosh, for the company, great things are going to happen, right? And so one of the things that we had to do when we launched the people deal, one of the things that we focused on is how we innovate everywhere. And a big part of that was we had to make it okay for people to take risk and we had to celebrate mistakes. And that was a very important pivot for us. When we started listening more and more, what we heard was people were afraid that a mistake could have dire consequence to their career. And we don't want that whatsoever. And so there was a lot of work that we did with our managers to really, whether it was in staff meetings, talk about mistakes that you've made, make it okay. We launched an Innovate Everywhere Challenge where we said, hey, bring forward your best ideas. And people did that in teams. And we run that challenge twice a year. You're sending a message that every idea is a good idea. By the way, the winners of the Innovate Everywhere Challenge 
get released from their day job to make that idea happen or come true. And so for how long though? Is it a, for whatever time is needed to make the project happen? It's or? six months. Okay. So we give them six months away from the day job to wow. just take that idea forward. I've and got an funding. idea for you. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, these are things, and as you would imagine, so many more where you're making it okay for people to just put that really crazy idea on the table. Mm-hmm. That's great. And what has come out of that? So we've had some pretty amazing ideas that have come out of that. I'm really proud. In the first uh, contest that we did, the HR team was one of the three winners. And their idea was how we could leverage video technology to get to people around the world at different levels of ability and how we could make work happen through video, interviews happen through video, and eventually take that out beyond Cisco so that someone who perhaps can't travel into the office can have an amazing career. And and that's an example of one of the winners. We've also had some really compelling work from an AI perspective come out of the Innovate Everywhere Challenge. Oh, nice. We have... That's that's actually one of my other questions Uh, I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have coaches that work with the semifinalists. So as they're building their idea that really help them make their idea more and more concrete, where we can get a better sense for the return. And so they also then get the skills around how do you propose great ideas in in a very large company. How is AI, how is artificial intelligence disrupting the way that companies operate today, internally and externally? Well, I think when we look at the broader marketplace, we know that it's just starting. Our position from a Cisco perspective is that AI will augment a lot of the work that's going on today. Some of the studies that we've seen tell us that over time, you could see this collapse of the middle as it relates to particular types of roles. And so I think what that guides us around is that one of the key responsibilities that we will have is to really bridge our employees as we look at the skills they have today and and the roles of the future. Sometimes it's a lot easier than it sounds. Because I think the mechanisms around understanding the skills for 75,000 employees and then marrying that to their aspirations and where the market is going is something that has been a challenge. Now, the interesting thing is that we're leveraging technology now to help bridge our employees and to drive this conversation on a very regular basis. I think one of the flaws of the past is that you would look at skills on an annual basis and the life of a skill is so much shorter now that you have to be having this conversation almost quarterly within a company. Hmm. This podcast is brought to you by Genentech, a biotechnology company dedicated to the rigorous pursuit of science and the discovery and development of breakthrough medicines for people with serious diseases. Recognized as one of Fortune's 100 best companies to work for for more than two decades, Genentech cultivates an environment where scientific innovation thrives and where each person feels valued, included, and able to contribute their best for patients. Learn more at gene.com. Another topic that I know that many you know, board meetings uh, among the companies that appear on the 100 Best list, boards of directors are now insisting that the culture become part of the conversation for every meeting. That's true at Cisco, I imagine. It is, and I think it should be. When we talk about culture, we look at the environment, and we try to get incredibly real with what is going on in the environment, and I think there's a lot of great stats that we can provide the board in that regard. 
we look at the, the characteristics and the behaviors and, and really what are the, the principles that you're putting out there. And then the last thing, and I think employees want this, is we're trying to be incredibly real by then looking at, okay, and what is the experience? Mm-hmm. And what experience does an employee have on a team or with a leader? And so we do our best to give the board a slice of that information and very important for a board to understand, okay, where do we have risk and what are we doing to mitigate the risk? Mm-hmm. So you work in an industry that is notoriously non-diverse. What is happening in the conversation around DNI at Cisco? Well, the first thing that I would say is we are so pleased. When we look at Chuck's, um, our CEO, direct staff, we're almost 50-50 men and women. That's great. Now, when we look at the broader definition of diversity, it gets even better. Oh, really? Um, and so from a leadership team perspective, I think we're recognized as one of the most diverse leadership teams um, in tech. And and so that's good, and we have a lot more work to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're talking specifically just gender diversity. I'm not, and I think that's the most important thing. Starting with gender diversity, I think that's a mistake. Um, I I think what we have to look at is all diversity uh, within a company. We have to look at not just gender, but we have to look at ethnicity. We have to look at race. We have to look at experience. We have to look at all factors. Our head of inclusion and collaboration always says dot, 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 because I think we're learning other ways to really define, right? There's more coming, right? And um, I think that's really important. And, And just think about the world at the moment. Things are so incredibly polarized. And it feels like on every topic there's winners and losers. But when you really embrace a for-all culture, everyone belongs. Everyone's part of something. And so that's the approach that we take. And what about when you're discussing DNI? What in, in the gender gap or especially the pay gap? Have you solved that problem? So we have had a pay parity effort for the last, I think, about two and a half years now. It's something that we have to measure on a very regular basis. We run a pay parity review every six months. And the nice thing is that what we've seen is that we have some really good pay practices. There's not a lot of cleanup that we have to do, which makes me incredibly happy to see. The bigger issue for us is really in the hiring process. Because if you're not careful, you can actually maintain the delta that exists in the marketplace. And so one of the things that we're doing at Cisco is we don't ask people to tell us their current salary. And Well, that's illegal in California. In California right? it is. But we have presence in most of the states in the U.S. And in those states, we do the same because we want to pay people at market not just an incremental improvement upon what they're making. And I I think that's how you start to break some of the dynamics that exist within the workforce. The last thing that I would say about this is that when we rolled out pay parity, we looked at pay parity for all employees, not just women, not just underrepresented minorities, because if, if there's a man that's not being paid fairly, we need to address that too. And that's a little bit of how for all is, is um, shifting the way that we look at some of the work we're doing. Mm. That's interesting. Now, I look at sort of the generational makeup at Cisco, and according to um, the most recent numbers that I'm looking at, you have maybe almost a third of your staff is, uh, are millennials. How are you developing their talent to retain them specifically, knowing that they could potentially be the future leaders of the organization? I mean, you've been at the company for over 20 years. I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's a great place to work, and that's probably why you stayed. But 
What are you, in the conversations that you have with some of your newer employees who are just beginning their careers, how are you helping them uh, discover the joys of working at Cisco if they haven't already discovered it for themselves? Like if you find out that one of them is potentially leaving because they've got an offer to go someplace else. Yeah, so the first thing that I would say, and I do think it's broader than millennials, I think for all employees, we want to have this conversation around, hey, choose your own adventure here. We're a big enough company. We have so many different types of roles, so many different types of experience. What do you want it to be? And I think taking that customized approach to our employees is incredibly important. We realized several years ago that we had to move away from this one-size-fits-all to this one-size-fits-one. And so I think the first thing is there's a realization around that. Um, We work very hard and we've done some studies around the different types of careers so that we can help our employees also put words to the way in which they want to work. We try to challenge them by providing them with these amazing roles within amazing teams, which I think is incredibly robust. And our hope is that we create something so special and compelling with this amazing culture that this is where they choose to be. And so as Chief People Officer, what has been your proudest moment? Oh, that's such a great question. I'll tell you, I mean, there, there's so many moments where I just have a tremendous amount of pride for the changes and where the company is going. I think when I look at our business results, they're compelling. We're moving into new markets. Our technology continues to become more compelling. And I think that is because of our people. And so seeing those wins is an incredibly proud moment. This year, when we were ranked number six, that was pretty amazing. Four years ago, I think we were 82. That journey has been a really important one for us, and I feel like sometimes we led, sometimes our employees led. I think that's exactly how it should be. And so how do you jump that high on the list in four years? I think with a a tremendous amount of commitment from all of our leaders. I don't think this is something that can be led by human resources. I think it has to be led by the leaders, I think at every level of the organization. I think that when there's positive momentum, it it feeds additional work. I think there have been very bold moments for us in the journey. I think some of the early decisions that we made around changing performance, I think that was a bold moment for the leadership team. And I think it signaled to our employees that we were going to do things differently. And I think these are some of the proof points that have allowed our employees to say, okay, they, they want to hear my perspective. They, they, they know that there are things that need to change and I want to be a part of that. How are you collecting employee feedback beyond the Trust Index survey? Yeah, so this is something that's really important, and I laugh a little bit because I think just like everything else, listening is becoming so much more agile than before. I think once upon a time, many of us had these you know, annual surveys, and they're good, but what you know is that you have to pivot day by day. And so we now take something like an annual survey, and it's just always on. And so we're listening throughout the year. On a quarterly basis, we get to about a quarter of our employees. And so we just keep gathering that feedback. We, we look at trends. We look at what's improving, not improving. We also look at how our employees are responding externally as well. And so we'll, we'll look at different sites to see what's the feedback. After every single company meeting, and we have them monthly, I look at their feedback and we run it through sentiment analysis so we can actually get some insights as well around Are they feeling happy, worried, annoyed? Like, where where are they? And and we try to respond to that as quickly as we can. The trust index is important for us as well because it gives us some insights to how we're doing on some of the issues, especially from a for-all perspective. 
which we uh, value greatly. What has been the biggest challenge for you as Chief People Officer? I think one of the biggest challenges has been how do we help our employees continue to refresh skills and capabilities? How do we ensure that they're prepared for the left turn or the right turn based on where the market is moving? How do we ensure that we're having all of the right discussions around development and just ensuring that they have incredibly rich careers with Cisco? When you have 75,000 employees and when you're in over 100 countries, what that means is that you are dependent on your leaders to make that experience happen. And so I think the other thing I would say is ensuring that our leaders continue to scale and ensuring that our leaders embrace the servant leadership mentality, I think is, is a big part of the opportunity that we have and probably one of the biggest challenges as well. What's the best business advice you've ever received in your career? There was advice that I received around careers that was incredibly meaningful. And the advice was, don't run away from something, run to something. And that was powerful because there was something in it which was about having the courage to address those things that are not working. Shortly after receiving that feedback, I remember thinking, that I was going to always be okay with the fact that at some point things may not work out, but I was going to push as hard as I could in everything that I did to have the impact that I wanted, and that was meaningful. Can you give me an example of how you've applied that to a certain situation? Yeah. So where this all came from was I remember I was early in career. I think I was a director at that time, and I had a new leader that came in. I was struggling to relate to the leader. I was struggling for the work to take on the impact that I think it should. I could tell that we were not aligned from a strategy perspective. And I really believed in the work. I thought we were doing the right thing. And so I remember one day I went into his office and I was uh, younger and I said something really silly, which was, hey, I'm not gonna leave your office until we align on the strategy. And I knew saying that to him could put my career at risk. I knew that saying that to him was sharing that I wasn't necessarily happy with where things were. And it was a breakthrough meeting for us. And we got there and he became one of my biggest sponsors. I think he was the first person who said, I could see you in two to three rotations becoming our chief people officer. Hmm. That was a really important lesson for me because it taught me that I had to be willing to put myself out there. Yeah, and is that the same kind of advice that you would give somebody who's early on in their career? All day long, absolutely. And and I think you have to have perspective. You you have to care enough to share what you're thinking, and especially if if you're not feeling like the decisions that are being made are the right ones. So at what point in your career, whether it be before you started working at Cisco, you had a job, obviously, before Cisco? I did. Yeah, yeah. So what point in your career did you first begin to realize that a people-first culture was the only way forward for a company to succeed? It's funny. I I didn't realize it early on. And I think the world has shifted as well. I I was always so passionate about my team. I was always so curious about how they could be their best, and I wanted to see them do really well. And so there were elements of that that I think were there. When I stepped into the role as the HR business partner for engineering, I think that's where I started to have the aha that if you take care of the people and if you help them to find their passion and be at their best, 
you're going to have all of the breakthroughs that you need from a technology or innovation perspective. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably about 10 years ago that it really started to become clear. And I think concurrent with that, the other aha for me was you have to feed cultures. You have to pay attention to them. You can't assume that they're going to naturally go where they need to go. And I think we've had moments where the culture has kind of veered to the left or right, and and we had to work really hard to be overt about what we wanted from the culture and help it get back on track. This will probably be my final question because it really relates to the theme of the conference and a lot of the topics that we're addressing during the course of this podcast. At Cisco, how is diversity directly influencing innovation? Diversity influences innovation all day long, every day. And the reason for that is when you allow diversity of ideas and diversity of people and work to come together, I think you you get the best from people. And I think sometimes our biggest breakthroughs have come from the very interesting question in the room or the different perspective in the room, the experience that someone had before they joined us. And so for us, you have to create an environment where everyone feels included and everyone feels like you recognize their differences as a very positive thing. And and that's what we drive to in everything we do. Fran, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. You've been listening to Better by Great Place to Work, the podcast that helps everyone create better workplaces because it's better for people, better for business, and better for the world. Better is generously sponsored by Genentech, a global leader in biotech and medicine that ranks among the world's best employers. Tell us about your great workplace experiences by finding us on social media. We can be reached on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram at greatplacetowork underscore US. Also tell your friends about Better by Great Place to Work, which can be found wherever you download your favorite podcasts.